today's parable is affectionately known as the parable of the sower. And there's a few interesting notes that I think regarding this parable that would be worth us even just discussing really briefly. The first is, it's a today story. So whether you're here or whether you're at home, everyone say or type in the chat, today's story. It's a today story. In other words, this is not just about somebody else's life or some other season. This is about your life in this season, particularly. It's a today story that needs discernment from prior seasons in your life and also wisdom for future seasons. This is the only parable that Jesus shared with an imperative, which was listen. And the word listen is similar to the Old Testament word where it was a command to the children of Israel. So there's heightened intensity around this parable. The seed that we're going to read about in a moment should not exclusively be thought of as salvation. Yes, including salvation, absolutely. But it is the whole counsel of God's word, therefore walking in the full way of Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what Jesus taught about forgiveness or what Jesus taught about finances, what Jesus taught about various topics, he's speaking about the full counsel of God's word in this moment. And lastly, Jesus, when he was alone with his disciples, he shared the interpretation of this parable so that we don't have to guess. We know specifically what he meant and what he said. Now, anyone who plants gardens, works in gardens, landscaping, will tell you that there is wisdom in understanding that there are different types of soil. Now, for those of you who kill everything you plant, that's a revelation from you. You didn't know there was different types of soil. That's why things aren't growing. But for people who understand that, that's not a new revelation. They understand that there are various types of soil which require different care when things are planted within them. If you're going to see the fullness of that which is planted, if it's going to fully grow, it requires different levels of care for all different types of soil. And as you listen, I want you to reflect in your life, perhaps on what the enemy is actively doing or he has tried to do in your past or what he does in your future. I want you to think about the various people, events, and circumstances that are in your life right now, how they are playing a role in forming how you think, how you feel, which ultimately is what you believe. Because what you believe, your life will always go in the direction of your beliefs. Not merely your confessions, what you believe to be true is the direction of where your life will walk, where it'll go. And you want to imagine your soil, your soul, if you will, as soil, where seed is constantly being sown, including today. Ask the Holy Spirit, as we are actively, not passively listening today, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the true condition of your soul, of the soil of your heart. And so, with all those things said, let's read together from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat on in it, excuse me, on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, there's the command. It's very unique. Exclamation mark. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up, and since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, 
And the thorns grew up and choked it, and therefore it yielded no grain. And others and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So the intention of the sower with the seed is to produce its kind, which was grain. It is that it would grow up, that it would increase, and that it would yield a return. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. It's a remarkable return. And then he said, let he who has ears to hear, let them hear. So each of us today have ears, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to hear what it is that God's word is speaking to us. Some of us are listening. Some of us are tuned out. There's lots of different reasons why we can hear, but not hear. And this is what Jesus was saying then, and it's applicable today. So before we read the interpretation from Jesus of this story, I think it's important for us to dig in and be amazed at this. It is the kind, faithful, hopeful love of God. Before we talk about what the enemy does, it is vital that we talk about who God is. You and I, if we in this story were the sower, I can imagine you and I doing things differently. I have on occasion bought seed from somewhere, you know, namely grass seed for my lawn, excuse me, for my weeds. I bought grass seed for my weeds. Here's what I did not do in purchasing grass seed. I did not walk 10 paces out in front of my house onto the street and start sowing it on the street. It may have had better success of growing there, yes. <laughs> but I didn't do that. Because what I had was a limited supply and I wanted to sow grass seed on the... Oh, yeah, you... This is the problem with landscaping metaphors. <laughs> on the grass, on the soil, on your lawn, on, 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 letter C. What's option C? All of the above, I'll take that. Thank you very much. But here's what is beautiful about God, that he's unlike us. Did you know the love of God is unlimited? The goodness of God is unlimited? So I have good news for you today. You may have been rejecting God your whole life. Here's what I promise you. He will continue tomorrow, today, and every other day to sow seed onto your heart. It says in this story that the sower liberally sows seed. He sows seed on the rocky path. He sows seed where there are thorns. He just sows seed. And so if you've got people in your life who do not yet know Jesus, I promise you this. The sower is sowing seed. Everywhere and anywhere they are, he is working. You, when you show up to tell someone about Jesus, you're not talking to them, even though they may not have heard everything before. I promise you, you are joining God in the work that he has already done in their hearts. He is so good. He is so kind. Because again, when you do the math, about 75% of the seed does not produce a harvest. As North Americans, we would say that's not a good return on investment, but I want you to know that every heart and every life, the hardest one is a beautiful opportunity for the greatest return on investment. God doesn't need much to work a miracle. So we need to root in that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His love is not our love. His goodness is not our goodness. His graciousness is not our graciousness. It is above and beyond anything we can think, ask, or imagine. It is that good and that wonderful. So we need to root in today 
This is who the Father is, that he sows seed in an extraordinary way. In this action, we also see the sower illustrating a spiritual principle that is evident elsewhere in Scripture, and it's not one that should be hard for us to understand. It is simply this. Nothing bears fruit unless it is first planted. Turn the person beside you and say, no, duh, genius. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Nothing bears fruit unless it is first planted. Revelatory. Not really. Nothing bears fruit unless it is first planted, which can also be expressed as anything my life produces started first as seed planted. In other words, otherwhere in scriptures, it says, despise not small beginnings. How many know that hope can begin really, really small? Optimism, joy can begin really, really small. In the darkest of seasons, in the darkest of seasons, it is but the smallest of light that begins to change the environment. It is not the significance of, it is the presence of that matters. And here's what I want you to know today, that God is actively working, not just today, but in lots of different seasons for a destiny and a future and a hope that he's prepared in advance, good works that we would walk in him. So he is working, sowing seed into our hearts and life. And so again, nothing bears fruit unless it is first planted. And not all things that are planted, however, bear fruit. And this is the crux of what Jesus says. And so let's read his interpretation while recalling the initial parable is given to a crowd. Now it's just with his disciples. At the beginning, I said that this is a today story, and I want you to put it in proper context, because when Jesus gave the interpretations to his disciples, which I really appreciate, because the disciples basically say to Jesus, we heard the story, we have no idea what you're talking about. I take great hope in that, because sometimes I'm reading God's word, and I actually say, I have no idea what they're talking about right now. Only me? Oh, yeah. all, all of you are scholars who understand cultures way thousands of years ago. I don't understand, but he'll help us bring understanding. And so sitting in the crowd of his disciples, in the group of his disciples, is Peter. And Peter's faith is going to fail. But before Peter's faith fails, Jesus gives him a promise. When you have returned, when you've learned what you've needed to learn from your failing, strengthen your brothers and sisters. What did I just say? God is always sowing into our lives. Even our failure moments can be fruitful in Christ. But they can also be fatal if we don't allow God to cultivate. Because sitting in front of him is Judas. And sitting in front of him is Thomas. Sitting in front of him are 12 men who are going to experience in reality everything that this story illustrates. Sitting in front of me and including me, all of us are disciples that will experience everything that you see in this story. This is not a story that you just think and ruminate about. It is an active story in, it's an active story in your story today. The sower, Jesus says, sows the word. Everyone say the word. word. Sows the word. Jesus said, I am the word who became flesh. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, everyone say when they hear. hear. 
You're going to see that three times. It says, immediately, Satan, immediately, when they hear God's word, when they hear the word sown, Satan immediately comes and takes away, what does he take away specifically? The word that was sown in them. And the, these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear, everyone say, when they hear, there it is again, the word, immediately though, they receive it with joy. But since they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, this is really important, not on account of the dumb things that they say and do. I've met many a Christian who believes that there is tribulation or persecution in their life as a result of the word, and oftentimes it isn't. It is a result of the silliness in their life that has shown up in another season. Ah, painful, but true. I've had some dumb stuff show up in a later season that I sowed in another season. Like I had a season where I worked out five times a week and then I had another more glorious season where I ate chips five times a week. And in this season of working out, I saw little fruit. Oh, but in this season, brothers and sisters, I saw immediate fruit. And that was me pushing out my stomach, thank you very much. <laughs> Just came back off of holidays. Not proud to admit I may not be in the same belt notch. <laughs> but I'm happy. No, don't clap my lack of discipline. Don't clap that at all. I have no idea where I was in the text now. Give me a minute to find it. I'm just going to start here. When they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution comes, that's where I was, arises on account of the word. Some of you are waiting for another season when God's word is going to line up with culture. Never does. Be very, very comfortable. Be very, very concerned if your Christianity flows perfectly within culture without any type of resistance whatsoever. What I would tell you is it's no longer the gospel. It is another one. Some of you are nervous that the church in Canada or Christians in Canada perhaps may not have the power that we once did in Canada or being pushed to the margins. I tell you, brothers and sisters, do not fear if the church gets pushed to the margins because we always do better when we are reliant on the power of God than any other power that this world has. When the move of God pushes us to the margins and enables us sometimes to see those who we have mistreated with power in a way that we couldn't in this season. Despise not what God is doing. I'm not saying all of it is of God, but God is working in the midst of this season. Those who, um, yeah, I'm not going to read the same text again. Immediately they fall away, and others are the ones who, sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But, everyone say but. But those who were sown on good soil are the ones who hear it, the word, and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So quickly here, quick recap. 
The issue is never the sower. The sower is always going to sow everywhere, anytime. He's going to sow, sow, sow. They're going to sow, sow, sow. The issue is not the sower. The issue isn't the seed. The issue is never the seed because the seed is the word. The issue is not the word. It is not the seed. And the issue is never that we don't hear. Not one of us can say, I didn't hear. In each instance, it said, when they hear, when they hear, when they hear. This is never the issue is that we don't hear. This is neither, these are not the problems that are occurring in our lives today. So again, I want you to think about your soil. As, I want you to think about the soil of your soul. What is present today, again, began in a different season before. John 4, 37 to 38 says, For the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. In other words, that, that not everything is present in our lives is because of us. That there is lots of things, there's lots of interplay. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but only God gave the growth. That it's a partnership that you and I are in. Which is why it was so beautiful with Baby Dedication Sunday that we actually said that though, no, we are not the parents of these kids, unless the parents of these kids are listening, then you is the parents of those kids. But the rest of us have a role to play in their lives. That our obedience makes a matter. Our disobedience makes a matter. The church that we create together by allowing the Spirit of God to move, the Word of God to be rooted, the word, actually the work of the enemy to be uprooted in our lives, this matters not only in your story, but in their upcoming story. This is what we see, and this is what Jesus was teaching. In other words, Jesus was teaching that all soil is contested space. That when you and I wake up every day, when we go on social media, when we watch the news, when we watch films, when we listen to music, when we engage in conversations, when we engage in culture, all of these things, they are good things and there's bad things, but they're just things. But all of it is contested space that is desiring to form and shape our hearts and our lives. And it says here that Jesus says that the moment, everyone say the moment, the moment seed is sown, Jesus makes it clear that when seed touches the path, immediately Satan comes to steal the word sown. Immediately, notice the timing. The enemy will not try to steal that which Jesus is not trying to sow. Huh. <laughs> Let me show you what it looks like. Someone is preaching about a hope in the future. They're sharing God's word in context, not out of context, in context. And it's a promise, not just for you, but for every follower of Jesus. It is shared, it is sown, or you are reading it devotionally, however it comes to you, it is sown into your life. And the moment it does, the moment it is sown, the battle begins. Well, that's good for other people, but not in my story. Well, other people can have a hope in the future, but not me. Isn't it interesting for some of us, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, that's when you actually doubted that you gave your life to Jesus. Didn't you notice that before you gave your life to Jesus, you never had any doubts? But the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, there's now insecurity whether you have given your life to Jesus. The scripture says, Jesus says, this, by the way, is Jesus' worldview, so let's pay attention, let's listen he says, no, no, the moment the seed is sown, immediately that's when the enemy tries to rob it, tries to steal it. Let me let you in a little hint here that's really powerful. May I also remind you in this moment that the seed has been sown on 
ground that is not receptive to it, the enemy won't take any chances in letting God's word take root in your life. There is never a day that he is kind to you, even if it has like an 80% chance, a 99% chance of not taking root. He still won't take any chances. Why? Because he's seen what happens when a little boy gives Jesus just his lunch, what he can do with it. He has seen what happens when a heart just opens a crack to the love of God. He has seen what a little bit of hope can do in a discouraged heart. Oh, he will keep you despondent every which day of the week because he knows a sliver of light again will change the, can, has the potential to change the entire environment of which it shines upon. Here's a great question I want you to think about today. Do you know how the enemy steals from you? Do you know how he is working in your family? What about your culture? Do you know how he works? He's active. He's working, Jesus said. This is how. Discover a hint. Here, to discover how, here's a bit of a hint. And God's word is usually replaced by something else. It's just inferior. He goes on, Jesus goes on to say that some seed falls onto rocky ground. Everyone say rocky ground. Not Rocky Balboa. That's a different one. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. Rocky ground was this thick layer of soil is spread across of rocky ground. And the problem is that once the seed begins to germinate, once its roots begin to go down in the soil, all is fine in the topsoil. But if the underlying issue is not dealt with, then it cannot produce what it was designed to produce. There will be some growth, there will be some evidence, there will be some visual reality that something has taken place, but it cannot root where it needs to root. There are far too many Christians who are content with shallow soil Christianity. Just going through the motions, just singing the songs, just about the feelings, and you will get some stuff from that. But I promise you, in every one of our lives, there are rocks in our garden. Every one of us got rocks, got stuff under the surface that Jesus wants to lovingly remove. And here's what I tell you. We can sometimes mistake the moving of God for the work of the enemy in our lives because they are both equally painful, but we said it again and again and again and again. The One of the reasons Jesus teaches in parables, though they may sting initially, it is only to remove the rocks so that he can heal us, that he can make us whole, so that work that he has begun in us, that he is desiring to do in us, will continue to have roots that go deep so that I can have a beautiful return. God isn't speaking to you about your unforgiveness or about your, your, your stinginess or God's not speaking to you about whatever it is, the sin habit of your life because he doesn't love you. He's speaking to you, about you, to you about it because he loves you so very much. That very thing has the potential to root out or to choke out or to stop growth in your heart and in your life. Think Peter in this moment listening to Jesus. He's got some rocks under the soil of his life and one of the big rocks that we have seen and I'm so grateful that the scriptures show the good parts of people's lives and the not so good ugly parts of their lives because again, it gives me hope. 
And it shows that he's got a little bit too much self-reliance, a little bit too much pride. And if you remember, we've told the story again and again this ministry year that at the Last Supper, Jesus says to him, today, you're going to deny me, not just once, but three times. And Peter says, uh-uh, all those other guys I will, I won't. Rock! But after his failure, what does Peter realize? Rock. But Peter does something beautiful. He allows, his, he allows Jesus to remove it. And then on Pentecost, we see not just a reed, we see a rock. We don't see a Simon, we see Peter. We see what he allows Jesus to do. Another disciple listening is Judas, who never lets Jesus go there. His life is tragic. He's one of 12 people called to follow Jesus and be a disciple of Jesus. The rich young ruler who he mentioned a few weeks ago, ah, sell that stuff. And the rich young ruler goes, no, that's my identity. Which is the next part of the story where Jesus says, okay, so the issue may not be rocks. The issue isn't just that you're in the world. The issue is that you love it far too much. Better translate it. You love the ways of the world more than the ways of Jesus. Loved ones, this is part of the pruning that we are going through as the church of Jesus Christ, that we have loved a power that is not his power, that we have aligned with an authority that is not his authority. And it's painful when Jesus uproots it, just as it was in the Old Testament, that it was painful when he, in love, said, if you wish to fall in love and create idols such as those, then serve them and see how it goes. God's judgment sometimes is not just what his hand does. God's judgment sometimes to the church is to let what we love lead us and see where that leads us. And that's individual, that's in families, that's in churches, that's in nations, that he doesn't do this because he isn't loving, he does it because he is. And Because what the scriptures actually say is God created the world, but Genesis 3 talks about fallenness. Oh, and isn't it interesting that Jesus uses the metaphor in this story about soil and what happens in a garden. Every single one listening should have known a story about what happens in a garden. What is Jesus saying in the New Testament that was present in the Old Testament? The same thing, that in your heart and life and in your story, in the garden of your soil, there is another one active that is not God. There is another one present that he may be quiet, but he's there. And he is actively trying to do things in our hearts and lives. Along the path, there are thorns, and thorns are loving the things of this world far too much, like chips. <laughs> I love chips too much in a season. We went to a cottage last year. I was, it's hilly, man. It's like straight up and straight down. Lori and I were walking those hills kilometers at a time. One hill this year. Oh, he's being facetious. Am I now? <laughs> One hill. 
No, Lori and I, we did a little walk one time to the dock, and we looked at each other and said, that counts for a walk, right? That just counts, that counts, <laughs> counts. What is the word of the Lord in this season? I make you lie down in green pastures. Yes, Lord. Yes. I lead you beside still waters. Hallelujah. I restore your soul with chips. Praise God. Okay, let me hurry up here and finish. I'm a little dirty now. Think about Thomas wrestling with doubt. Doubt is something that can actually lead you into revelation. Thomas doubts, but he meets the sower who sows the word. Thomas, put your hands. Don't think it's me. It's me. See, doubt can lead you to revelation or doubt can be destructive and lead you to destroy everything that is true in your life. What matters is not the presence of doubt. What matters is where you let it lead you. And Thomas is listening and Thomas is one who the things of this world and the cares of this world, they begin to just choke out and Jesus comes along in love and serves him. So what is the enemy's deception? Well, what was his deception in the garden? What is his deception today? It doesn't need to change because it's so powerfully effective. One way or another, you and I begin to believe that the problems in life are the seed so that we will ignore the work of the enemy in our soil. Oh, we will blame God for everything, but be ignorant of what the enemy is doing. The enemy is perfect about orchestrating situations, and in the moment there's accountability for it, he is nowhere to be found. But you know the beautiful thing about our God is even in the midst of everything that we cannot understand and don't understand why it is, God is never afraid in love to be fully present and say, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your doubts, all the things that you don't agree with, cast them on me. Why? Because I love you. That when the moment comes for accountability, Jesus showed up this much. In the moment of accountability for the enemy in your life and your story, oh, in the party time, he's fully present. But when accountability shows up, he's nowhere to be found, but God is always present to be blamed. We see this again and again and again. The issue is never the sower, and it's not the seed. It's always letting him work in the soil of our soul. So often we spend time sharing about how much God loves us and that is so vital and that is so true. But we also must get into John chapter 14 where Jesus said, if you love me, this is what it looks like. If you love me, you sing worship songs. If you love me, you go to church. If you love me this, if you love me, no, it's not what he said. It includes those things, yes. But he said, no, no, if you love me, then you're gonna walk in my ways. In other words, when I say listen, you're gonna go, okay, I'm ready to listen. Jesus tells us the battle to bear fruit happens between hearing and accepting his word. Not liking his word. <laughs> accepting his word. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. They all heard it. Good soil is those who accept it is true. And when they accept it, then they bear fruit. 
The power of the seed is unlocked when it remains planted in good soil. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus said, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Your life is a garden, and you can trust the sower is going to sow on every type of soil. The Spirit is always at work desiring to cultivate, to heal, to restore the soil of our soil, of our soul, if you will. And the enemy is at work deceiving us into seeing the problem is the sower or the seed, so that we will never look to the true issue. So that we will never look to the actual issue that can be healed and restored, no matter what it is, is the soil. In the story that Jesus told, loved ones, rocks can be removed from soil. Same with thistles and thorns. One of the classic lies the enemy brings to your life is your problem is permanent. And I'm here to give you good news. It is present, perhaps, yes, but it does not have to be permanent. Why? Because you have a higher authority than it in Jesus. You have the master gardener who knows what to prune, when to prune, what to leave, how to make any soil good. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. May we have ears to hear what it is that you're saying. Lord, you know the condition of our soul, of our soil. Talk to us this week about it. Father, where there are rocks, we give you permission. Where there are thistles and thorns, we give you permission. And where the enemy immediately wants to work, show us where we have bought into lies and we can accept your truth. Amen. Amen.